What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Push the Tempo podcast. Uh, it's been a couple of days since uh, it's been like a week since we recorded, and we just want to get back to you guys because both of our teams, the Clippers and the Celtics, just played another game. As usual, it was a great game. Came down to the wire. Celtics ended up winning one seventeen to one twelve, and we figured we'd do similar to what we did last time. We just talked about both these teams. Talk about this game first. And then talk about both the teams. We're probably going to spend a little bit more time with the Celtics, considering they've been struggling as of late. So with that being said, Ari, I'll hand it over to you. What did you think about this game? Uh, honestly, I was disappointed. Same thing as the last time they faced off. Both teams didn't have both in every single one of their players. You know, uh, Kawhi was a late scratch with back spasms. And of course, um, on the Celtics side, they didn't have their heart and soul of Marcus Smart and... You know, with, the, with these injuries, it's kind of annoying because last year, and I've said this in the last podcast, too, those those matchups were just that amazing. And, you know, I was really looking forward to today or when that game happened. And, you know, this is not what I was expecting. Regardless, Celtics are 2-0 this year against the Clippers. So I guess I can't really complain. Yeah, like you said, this game, these games are always fun and they're always close. Uh, and with Kawhi, he was a very, very late scratch. Like, I think we found out right when starting lineups were being introduced that he wouldn't be playing. And, like, a bunch of people were freaking out, myself included. I was like, what the hell is going on? And then we figured out – and then we found out, I think, in the second or third quarter that he was out because of back spasms. Because initially they said that there's a chance he could play in that game. Um, And then he just ended up not playing. So, um, for the Celtics side – uh, uh, Kemba Walker, I thought he had a pretty good game, finished with 25 points on 19 shots. Um, the Clippers continue to struggle to guard these small guards. Uh, Kemba was pretty good in the first matchup as well. Um, De'Aaron Fox, Kemba, Kyrie, Colin Sexton, a lot of these smaller guards have really given the Clippers problems this year. Um, I thought Robert Williams, I thought he had a pretty big impact on this game because uh, whenever the Clippers would kind of drop when they would play up on the the screen with whoever was guarding um, the pick and roll. Uh, Robert Williams would just uh, jump and get any alley-oop or whatever. Uh, He had this dunk over Zulats. I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, I thought he had a pretty big impact. Jason Tatum wasn't that great until like the fourth quarter. That's when I thought he really turned it on. But all in all, I thought the Celtics played a good game. Some of the Clippers players struggled. Um, particularly Lou Williams, continues to suck against good teams. Uh, but that's, that's just my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. Uh, to be honest, I think Rob Williams was a huge X factor in getting this win over the Clippers. And on top of that, you know, I'm kind of surprised in Kemba. He's showing a lot more consistency over the last few games. Uh, and I was kind of hating on him. So, I mean, shout out to Kemba for, you know, showing more consistency. And like you said, Tatum and Brown just haven't been as amazing in that game at least and you know Tatum as of late hasn't been the Tatum the all-star that we know um he did say he was dealing with some issues due to the illness but I mean it's been a few weeks after and I guess there is some lingering issues but I mean who knows but on the Clippers side yo I was honestly impressed with Reggie Jackson and I did not expect myself to say that but he had a really efficient game I mean, although he wasn't really the best defensively, he was putting up numbers in the offensive end. And I mean, it makes sense because he's kind of covering for the loss of Kawhi. And that's what I really realized. Like, the death on the Clippers isn't as nice as I thought it would be. Like, yeah, Paul George is insane. And 
you know, like I said, he's a great player, and I thought he had a potential chance of being MVP. I mean, I was overseeing a little bit, but I mean, yeah, other than that, I mean, Marcus Morris and Lou Williams are two guys that are supposed to be great offensive threats, but they're guys that haven't really showed up. And I mean, I don't really watch that many Clipper games, but in this game, at least they were they were kind of a non-factor in this game. See, I don't I don't blame Marcus Morris because you got to remember he got hurt. Uh, he took that elbow. I think it was from like Jalen Brown and then he was mm-hmm. out the rest of the game. That's true. And he ended up being diagnosed with a concussion. So he's probably out until after the All-Star break. Uh, Lou Williams, though, um, I see I've, I've never been worried about Lou Williams versus bad teams and in the regular season. But come playoff time, these four for 13 nights, three of 15, whatever, they become a lot more common for him. He's a bad playoff player. And I've said this for the longest time that uh, he's just not a guy that you have on a championship caliber team because he's bad defensively. And if he's not scoring, uh, he doesn't really offer you much else besides the threat of a, like, besides like the spacing threat. Um, I thought Paul George had a great game besides the fourth quarter. And that's just been a, that's been a problem for the Clippers in, in its entirety. Uh, clutch play particularly has been an issue. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit later on. But no, you're definitely right, man. Reggie Jackson, I didn't expect I didn't expect this from him. Um, I expected maybe just like 10 to 15 points at most and some shaky defense. We got the shaky defense, but 25 points on 15 on 14 attempts, five of six from three. Um, Reggie Jackson, uh, I was a guy that didn't necessarily want him on the team or playing good minutes, but he's contributing positively for the most part and. Uh, he's really been put in a position where he didn't even know he was going to start until he was told, hey, you're going to be starting. Kawhi's not playing, at least to start the game. And he stepped up. He stepped in the lineup and stepped up big. So props to Reggie. He had a great game. And, um, yeah, that, that's that's really all I have to say. I just mm-hmm. wish they played better in the clutch, which we can talk about later. Yeah, no, I got a question for you. All right, at this point in time, are you taking Reggie Jackson over Lou Will? Man, um See, that, that's very tough because the idea of Lou Will is obviously better. Uh, Lou William is, is a probably – he's probably a better player than Reggie. But, uh, man, I don't, I don't know if I have an answer to that question, to be completely honest. And it's kind of sad that I'm saying that because last year, if you had asked me that, I would have said I would have said Lou Williams right away. But uh, against these good teams, he, he struggles. Like, he struggled versus the Celtics. He struggled versus the Bucks. Um He's had his issues versus like the other good teams, so I don't, I don't know, man. That's that's a question that you put me right on the spot, and I don't think I have an answer for. <laughs> no, that's fair. I mean, honestly, this has probably been one of Lou Will's down years, like one of his really bad years compared to some of the others. And honestly, he's kind of digressed a lot. And I'm just taking a look at the uh, uh, over his career trajectory. I mean, he went from 20 points two seasons ago to uh to like 16 18 ish and then now to 12 so i mean it's a huge drop off for a guy like lou and you know i feel like that could be a problem with the clippers in the future see uh, that this is where i disagree see uh, i think the reason he's dropped off uh with like his scoring averages and such is he's playing in a new system uh where the team emphasizes ball movement and such uh because this year i think they're really getting their assist totals up but He's just been playing in a different system, but that's that's never been my concern with him the scoring. It's more everything else. Like he can pass, sure, but defense is awful. He doesn't contribute anything on that end. And you saw it in this game. There was moments where he caught the ball, he would stop and 
like the possessions would just turn into nothingness. You know what I mean? And if he's not scoring, he doesn't give you anything else. Okay, uh, that, that's that's definitely a fair point. Yeah, and on top of that, he's not playing as much as before either. And yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, I have to agree with you. But, you but can we talk about Robert Williams though? Um, Dude, I thought honestly, I thought Robert Williams was awesome in this game. Like he he's a guy that he could have been a lottery pick in his draft, but ended up falling because of some injury issues. But mm-hmm. he came into this game and he had a huge impact. He was he was defending, he was rebounding, uh, he had four assists, he was catching lobs. Like I thought, I thought he was really good in this game. Tristan Thompson was good to start. Like he was getting some rebounds. Um, but I thought Robert Williams in total was the Celtics' best big man in this game. Yeah, it's it's honestly really exciting to see. If he plays tonight, which is Thursday against the Raptors, this will be the first time in his career where he plays more than 10 games in a row, which is a huge, a huge, huge thing for him. It's a big deal just because, you know, he has a pretty big history with injuries. And for him to be able to pay, play more than 10 games straight is a big achievement for him, at least. Um, it gives him a little bit trade value too. But, I mean, we're not going to hop into that right now. But – Honestly, he just has so much athleticism. His bounce is there. Uh, and one of the problems early on in his career was, I mean, he was kind of lost. Um, funny story. He missed his, like, opening rookie, something like that, uh, like an interview because he overslept. And then he, like, missed his flight or something funny like that. Um, and then a lot of times, like, he kind of looks lost on the court. But other than that, he's shown so much more awareness compared to his rookie season. And you know, he's just playing super well. He's doing everything you could ask for in a big man. He's keeping up with smaller guards. He's blocking shots. He's getting tough rebounds. He's going up for second shots, uh, second chance shots, and pretty much anything you can ask for. Yeah, uh, he's a guy that he's pretty, he's pretty interesting uh, because he's still so young and he offers so much upside. Um, it's just like the defense some, sometimes with him can be a little, can be a little like lackluster. But if he can ever, like, figure it out on that end, I think he can be a legit rotation player and be, like, the legit uh, player for the Celtics moving forward, like, at their center position. So um, I thought he was really good. Peyton Pritchard had some moments in this game where the Clippers would play off of him. Uh, he would catch wide-open shots and hit him. Uh, four or seven from three, some of those shots were pretty big shots in that game. And, yeah, that uh, Jalen Brown, I thought he was – I thought Jalen Brown was okay – uh, he didn't really have that much of an impact. I mean, I know he scored yeah. 18 points, but he was he was coming off an injury, so I didn't really expect right. too much from him. Um, he came into that game questionable with the like knee soreness or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. And one one other point I want to just point out for that game is, you know, I noticed the Celtics are starting to do a little bit more center by committee. Um, they're kind of switching off between Tice. Um, Tristan Thompson and Robert Williams. I don't know if you've seen it within this game, but like every time Ibaka would come in, it wouldn't be Tristan Thompson in the game. And it would just basically just be rotating and depending on matchups, which I think is pretty cool. A new thing that the Celtics are trying out. And I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I thought, I thought Ibaka was all right in this game. Um, nothing special. I would say uh, seven points on three to nine shooting. I thought Zubats though, even though he, even though his plus minus is really bad, minus nineteen. I thought he was I thought he was pretty good, eight points, ten rebounds, three assists. Um, I thought he had a better game than Ibaka, even though the plus minus won't show it. But he has to really cover up for 
the bad defenders in the back lineup. Like, for example, Luke Kennard, who's been out of the rotation as of late. Um, one of the things that uh, the Clippers did in the first 10 games of the season was play a Lou Williams, Reggie Jackson, and Luke Kennard lineup. And that lineup would just get killed defensively, even with Zubats in it, because he just has to cover up for those three guys. In this game, I'm not sure if it was Lou Williams, Reggie Jackson, or Luke Kennard, but I know for sure it was Terrence Mann, Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann, Lou Williams, and Luke Kennard, I'm sorry. Um, and those three just weren't really cutting it defensively. And that's one of the main reasons that why I think Zubats' plus minus was so bad. But I thought I thought overall he was pretty solid in this game as well. Uh, but no, you're definitely right. The Celtics center rotation is still pretty interesting. Uh, there have been rumors that the Celtics have been interested in various players and have been dangling Tristan Thompson out as like a trade piece. So it remains to be seen what they do. They obviously have that huge trade exception that we can talk about later if we want. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what the Celtics do moving, uh, moving forward. All right, from here, do you want to hop into the Clippers' future or anything about the Clippers? Yeah, um, so obviously the Clippers this far, so far this season, I think right now, as of last night, with the Lakers losing to the Kings, they are third in the Western Conference. Uh, two days after the loss to the Celtics, they fell to fourth, but they're basically tied for third with the, with the Lakers right behind the Suns and the Jazz. Um, I'm, not, I'm not really too worried about anything about the Clippers besides the clutch play uh, so far this year. And I, it has to be stated that the Clippers are tied with the Bucks for the second least minutes played in the clutch this year, uh, right in front of the jet, right? Uh, so second least meaning that uh, they played 41 minutes in the clutch, which is the second least tied with the Bucks. And then they've played, and the team right under them is the Jazz who have the best record in the league. Um, but in those minutes, they have not been playing well, I would say. Uh, they have one of the worst defensive. They have the worst defensive rating in the clutch in the NBA. And they have one of the worst offensive ratings. They have the 18th offensive rating. Um, it doesn't make for great clutch basketball. And I, uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of more than two games that they've won in the clutch. They won one game versus Utah. And then one game versus Phoenix, where they blew like a 30 point lead and they ended up winning at the end. But outside of that, they've lost to the Nets twice in the clutch. They lost to the Celtics twice. They lost to the Kings. Um, the clutch, the execution there just hasn't been great. And it's something that I hope they can turn around and fix coming out of the All-Star break um, because it's, it's just been an issue. Granted, they haven't played a lot, but it's just something I hope they can get figured out. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I was going to say the same thing about the Celtics. They're not so great in the clutch this year either. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe two two bad teams in the clutch kind of cancels out. <laughs> but, yo, I mean, aside from that, I think the Clippers are fine. I'm not too worried about them. They were my championship um, prediction team, and I'm going to still stand by that. Their, their team just hasn't been healthy all season, like, fully yet. I mean, Kawhi's been in and out. Paul George has been in and out. I mean, we haven't really seen – this full team, you know what I mean? So not too concerned. Uh, third seed is not bad at all. I mean, especially in the Western Conference. And I think by the end of the year, they'll probably finish within the second or third seed anyways. Uh, not too worried about this team. Yeah, um, I, I want to say the same thing. But uh, like I said earlier, the guard rotation is very suspect to me. Um, 
not not in terms of they need a point guard to really um, to like get them easy shots in the clutch because that at the end of the day that's what your best players are for. That's what Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have to do. And Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have also been really bad in the clutch this year. Uh, granted, again, very small sample size, but I think Kawhi shooting 28% from the field, 0% from three, and either 77 or 87% from the line. And, I mean, it's the most Clippers thing ever when one of the more clutch players in the league comes to your team and forgets how to play clutch. Uh, so not great. But like I said, very small sample size, hoping and turn around. Paul George has also struggled. I don't know his numbers off the top of my head. Uh, but he, was, he wasn't he was great in the fourth quarter versus Boston. Uh, he was really good in the first three quarters, uh, in the first half particularly. I think he finished like 21 or 22 points. But there was just some egregious shot selection. Those That pull-up three, I think it was over Kemba. And he had another bad three-point shot attempt that he took. Not great. Uh, finished two of 10 in the fourth. And I just hope they can they can figure it out. And the guard rotation, like I said earlier, every guard after Patrick Beverly, who's injury prone, sucks on defense. And they're gonna be a they're gonna be a guy who's gonna uh, they're gonna be hunted out in the playoff matchups. So that that's really my only concern for them is the guard rotation could use some some defensive upgrades. All right, I know I asked you this before um, on the last podcast. We talked about these two teams. You still taking Kyle Lowry or not? Man, there's there's no way that they can get him. There's just no way because they don't have the assets. The only way that they would get Kyle Lowry is if Kyle Lowry straight up said that I want to be traded and the only team I want to go to is the Clippers. Otherwise, there's no other way because they don't have any assets that the the, the Raptors would want. The the most intriguing player they have is Zubats, and that's only because he's on a a relatively – a team-friendly contract, and they need another center because Aaron Baines sucks, and Chris Boucher is their only other viable big man, um, and he's still very slight. But outside of that, like, what else do the Clippers have that they would want? Luke Kennard, who's getting paid $16 million a year, $16 million a year to clap on the bench. Uh, Lou Williams, who's on an expiring, who's probably going to retire pretty soon. Patrick Beverly, like, like there's no, there's no, the Raptors have no incentive to trade. Uh, Lowry to the Clippers like absolutely no incentive so I doubt it happens yeah no no I, okay okay that's fair yeah no I kind of agree with that I mean who knows these these last minute trades can be wild so I mean you can sit and cross your fingers and hope for it who knows but yeah I mean with that you you want to hop into the Celtics because I got a lot of shit to talk about yeah what, why don't you why don't you start off uh what's been what's been going on with the Celtics why have they kind of struggled to meet expectations this year okay so if you remember the beginning of the season they started off really hot and this is without Kemba Walker and I'm not saying that they were losing because of Kemba Walker um, but I'm gonna say that there's one factor there's something that stands out and that is my boy Marcus Smart has not been playing in these games and they started off I believe they had like they were on top of the Eastern Conference and at one point, even the NBA, and of course, it was a small sample size. But once Marcus Smart went out, they haven't won many games at all. I believe they're like five for like 16. I'd have to double check that five out of 16, something like that. But they've been losing a ton of games since Marcus Smart's been out. Um, and one of the factors that I noticed is that Marcus Smart is their best playmaker on that team. And I'm not even trying to hop on because you guys know that I love my, I love my Marcus Smart, but no, you're, you're right. He is. 
Yeah, but with that being said, I mean, the Celtics have zero ball movement without Marcus Smart. And Marcus Smart's not even the best point guard in the world. And this is me being a huge bias fan. But when he's on the game, when he's on the court, he's making plays. He's that the team is moving. Marcus Smart to Jalen Brown was the number one assisted duo in the NBA until Marcus Smart got injured, which just shows that there's so much more ball movement than there is now currently. Kemba Walker is a point guard, but he's not exactly the type of playmaker. He's more of a scorer. And the Celtics just look frozen on the court when, you know, Jason Tatum is isoing or Jalen Brown's making a move or Kemba's coming off a pick and roll or something like that. There's not that type of ball movement. It's pretty predictable. You know what's going to happen. And there's just a lack of playmaking with Marcus Smart out. And on top of that, there's also a lack of intensity. You can see it clearly on on the Celtics team. There's no more, I guess you could say, hustle or grit or anything like that when you watch the Celtics, especially late in the game. And they've been losing a lot of close games, not not to even good teams, but to some bad teams too. That's like so, my first so What's up? So, uh, so I'm going to go off what you just said. While I do agree that Marcus Smart is a huge loss for them, because uh, like you said, he's their best playmaker. Uh, he's a great defensive player. And like you said, he just brings the intensity to the, for that team. Um, it's in my opinion, it shouldn't have to be this way because the Celtics roster is so thin that when one Marcus Smart is out, and there's some games that, for example, Kemba has missed some games because of injury management for his knee. Like they get the roster so thin that they have to play some guys like who should be in the G League. Um, like they got to play uh, with Javante Green, Aaron Neesmith, uh, Carson Edwards. Like none of these guys are are really NBA players that you want to put on the court. And that you're you're comfortable with winning those minutes, you know what I mean? Um, like for example, in that in that Dallas game, like Kemba was out, and they had to play those guys some big minutes, and they ended up losing at the buzzer. Um, I think this is just a really bad job by Danny Ainge, particularly like the roster's not in the best shape out of the top four, uh, top five or at, outside of like five or six guys. And one of the main reasons for that is that you brought in Kemba Walker. Uh, he, he's making 141 over four years and Tatum and Brown are both on big contracts. I'm not even sure if Tatum's contract is kicked in yet, but uh, those guys are on some huge deals and that just makes it hard to really fill out the roster around them. But it's just not that many NBA ready players outside of like the top five or outside of like the top five to seven players in the rotation. Um, <clears throat> going off what you said about the, <clears throat> sorry, Going off what you said about the ball movement and such, um, I think they put up a graphic in that Celtics and Clippers game that going into that game, if the Celtics were leading at halftime, if they were down at halftime, I'm sorry, they were 1-11 in games that they were down at halftime in. And the only two wins that they have both came against the Clippers, uh, which is ironic. But um, one of the things I will say about the Celtics this year, I've caught a couple of their games, is that they really remind me of last year's Clippers in that there's not a lot of ball movement. There's a lot of stagnation on the offense. And you see just guys just standing around watching um, Tatum or Brown or Campbell Walker just get into their get into their ISO moves and try to break people down off the dribble and make a play. And that's something that the Clippers did a lot last year. And in the regular season, most of the time it can work when you have guys who are as good as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Campbell Walker. But come playoff time, it's really hard to win that way because you're not really generating easy shots out of that unless the defense is collapsing and you're hitting guys who can hit open shots. 
But on the Celtics, how many guys do you really trust to hit those open shots? Do you trust do you trust Semi Ojale? I don't think so. Do you trust Jeff Teague? Probably not. Uh, do you Peyton Pritchard? Probably maybe I guess. Uh, but there's not a lot of guys on this roster that you can really trust to do that come playoff time. You know what I mean? And just hopping off that, that was exactly my reason I was going to hop into it. I was going to say that with all the assisting and the no playmaking that's going on, there's only one person that you can really blame for the the lack of uh, depth on this team. And, you know, before we hop into that, let me just talk about one other thing real quick. Um, so I was looking for this graphic while you were talking. And, you know, this, is, this was based on uh, – February 24th. So it's a little old, but when the Celtics have more than 25 assists per game, they're eight and one. When they have between 20 to 24, they're five and eight. And then when they have 19 or less, they're two and seven, which just proves that, you know, there's a huge, there's a huge hole in this offensive scheme on this team. It's like you said, it's legit, just all ISO. And you were right. It does kind of remind me of that Clippers team from last year. And one other thing, uh, I don't know, I'm like hyping up my boy Marcus Smart like that. But, you know, before he was injured, Tatum and Brown had better numbers in terms of efficiency. So if you look at it, Tatum averaged 26 and a half points. And then without Smart, he's averaging 24 and a half. Same thing with Brown, 27 points. And then since injury of Marcus Smart, 22 points. And then it's also showing on the field goal percentage. Tatum went from 48% to 39 and Brown went from 53 to 44. So I don't think that it's because of Marcus Smart, obviously, but it's because of playmaking. And the reason why is these, all the shots they're taking are super tough shots. They're not easy shots at all. And these are guys that can make these shots. So imagine players, like you said, this team is filled, filled with two or three all-star players. And then they're filled with a bunch of G leaguers. And let's get right to the point. I think the biggest fault is at Danny Ainge's fault because, I mean, look at the roster he created. He had a great team. Like, the Celtics were filled with death just a few years ago. Making that trade for Kyrie, honestly, I would agree with that move. I probably would have done it back then, too, if I was a GM. Making that move with Kemba Walker for Terry Rozier, that trade, and I don't know we talked about it last podcast. In hindsight, yeah, it was a terrible trade because Terry Rozier has been going off. But looking at it at the time, it could have been an okay trade, but where I really see fault is Danny Age not making any moves in this free agency when he had a chance to trade Gordon Hayward for Jeremy Lamb um, and whoever else they were offering. I believe it was um, Miles Turner. Was, Miles Turner and I think it was either Miles Turner and TJ Warren, but then uh, Age wanted like Miles Turner and Victor Oladipo or something like that. Yeah, something crazy like that. Honestly, that trade now looks great. And Miles Turner has been awesome. He looks like the t- just a player that the Celtics need. That That is honestly annoying. And on top of that, he can't draft outside the top 10 in the first round. I mean, he's been a GM since 2003. Let's read some of his first round picks outside of the top 10. All right. So he's got Delonte West, Al Jefferson, who's I, Jail Green. I mean, he's a role player. He got selected at the 18, so can't really complain. Jeff Green, um, I'm not going over the second round picks because I don't really consider that too um, significant. Avery Bradley's been I, Marshawn Brooks, Fab Mello, Jared Sullinger, Lucas Noguera, James Young. You know what I mean? And I, the list keeps going on. I mean, Marcus Smart was a sixth pick. Okay. RJ Hunter, 28th pick. Terry Rogier was the 16th, and he's probably the first guy that I read off this list outside the top 10 that's been pretty decent and had a great career. 
uh, so far. I mean, he's he's trending in the right direction. Then we've got Ante Zizic, 23rd pick. Gershon Yabusele, 16th pick. And, of course, Jalen Brown's third pick, and he's been a great player. Jason Tatum, third pick, of course. Robert Williams is probably one of the only guys, him and Rozier, that have been okay outside of the top 10 pick. I mean, look, if you look at this year's draft, I mean, you got Aaron Neesmith, who is the 14th overall pick. Man, he doesn't even play. He's so – I don't know. I don't want to call him garbage. He's still young, but definitely not at the level of the NBA. You know what I mean? So – there's a lot of frustration as a Celtics fan, and a lot of frustration is being directed to Danny Ainge. And if he doesn't make a move with that trade player exception, I think a lot of Celtics fans are going to be angry at him just because there's so much talk going on and not a lot of action. Yeah, um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see who they get. There was just a report earlier today that they were looking at Jeremy Grant. But I mean, what are the what incentive do the Pistons have to trade Jeremy Grant? First year of his contract, he's playing pretty well for them. And three years, I think it's like three years, 60 or something like that for him. They just got him this year. And uh, like we were talking about even last time, uh, even I know the Pistons are in like a full rebuild right now, but which one of these Celtics young players are enticing enough for them to give up on Jeremy Grant, who's still relatively young himself? You know what I mean? Um, no, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, honestly, you're 100% correct. I mean, you could take a long shot on Peyton Pritchard, who's been pretty good. Um, probably but he's a four, of, he was like a four-year college player. How much better yeah, is he yeah, going to exactly. get? That is true. I was just thinking that the, the Pistons don't really have too much guard depth with uh, Kaylin Hayes out and DeLon Wright. But, I mean, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. 100% agree. I just um, – like I said, I think the Celtics really – they really mirror what last year's Clippers team was like. Uh, at the end of the game, even this year's Clippers team, even though the Clippers suck in the clutch this year, they were good last year. But, like, it's just a lot of stagnation on offense, a lot of your turn, my turn. And, like I said, it works in the regular season. Uh, but come playoff time when defenses lock in and uh, you try to, like, and you try to play like that, like, it it, rel- it usually doesn't work. Uh, I listened to the Zach Lowe podcast, and he had Brian Scalabrini on. And he said that, and I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, the Celtics are one of the worst teams in the league at generating open shots. And open shots are what are the best types of shots, you know what I mean? And uh, at the end of the games, when it just digresses into guys getting in their bags and trying to make a play out of nothing, like it becomes very hard to win like that. So I think the Celtics, I I think they took a slight step back this year, but uh, most of it, most of it, in my opinion, is on, like I said, Danny Ainge. There's some things I think Brad Stevens could do better with his with his offense, but, I mean, he's been given guys who, if they weren't on the Celtics roster, they'd probably be in the G League. And then some of them who he has to play when some of his players are out, like right now with Marcus Smart being out, uh, like they're like, how much do you trust Semi Ojale to hit a corner three when it matters? Honestly, I'm going to be honest. For the first half of the season, I would not want it. I remember you asked me a few years ago when the Celtics were playing against the Bucks in the playoffs, and you're like, oh, who's the worst uh, shooter on the Celtics from three? And I was like, yo, Semi-Ojale. But, I mean, now he's been a lot more consistent. But, you know, no, I mean, yeah, 100%. You're, you're correct. Honestly, outside of Tatum and Brown, I don't even trust Kemba sometimes taking these tough shots. And it's just, it's just frustrating as a Celtics fan, you know what I mean? Yeah, it remains to be seen what they can do with their trade exception. Um, Vucevic has been linked to them. 
uh, Jeremy Grant. But that's the thing. This this happens every single year. We're linked to so many players every single damn year. You know what I mean? Our last year was who? Andre Drummond. It was him again this year. You know what I mean? It was Andre Drummond. And then I, I can't even think about it. It's like legit anyone. You can legit see anyone cropped in a, a Celtics team jersey. And, you know, it's just frustrating because at the end of the day, I think it's been four, three, four straight years where the Celtics haven't done anything in the trade uh, right before the trade deadline. Legit every year. If it was up to me, uh, I would rather have Grant, uh, not Grant Williams, sorry. I'd rather have Robert Williams right now than Andre Drummond moving forward. Yeah, Andre no, Drummond. I, I agree. Andre Drummond sucks. Like he's he's not good. Let's let's not like, like he shoots fifty percent true shooting percentage this year as a center. You know how bad that is. That's that's pathetic as a center. Fifty percent true shooting percentage, fifteen point seven percent, um, fifteen point six percent turnover percentage. Like that's that's awful. He's sure maybe he can make and re, maybe can rebound for you like come playoff time, but. Dude can't – he's not – he's terribly – like, he's awfully inefficient. Like, I, I, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't think he's that good, and I don't think – I think there's a reason that any, any team he's been on is, has stunk for the most part in his career. Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. Uh, at this point, there's not that many moves the Celtics can really make that are realistic and that are going to be good for the team overall um but it, it's just like they're going deeper and deeper into the hole you know what I mean like I said a few years ago they were in great shape LeBron out the Eastern Conference no not really that much serious competitors I mean Kawhi left too like you know what I mean like every single year there's a great chance you know Ben Simmons was out one playoff series the bubble happened there's so much chances but every single year they're their championship window is decreasing and waning. I mean, yeah, they still have young players, but to be able to acquire that talent is just it's just the the time window is going down, especially with Brown Tatum's contracts going to be able to kick in soon. Yeah, Tatum's contract kicks in next year. Uh, yeah. 28, 30, 32, 34 and 37. And mm-hmm. I mean, he's still what is he now? 23, right? He just turned 23 like yesterday, right? So like he's still obviously very young. And he deserves – he's he is worth that contract because unless something unforeseen happens, like he gets injured, hope, hopefully not, obviously. Hope he stays healthy throughout his career. Like he's going to be worth that contract. But if you're paying Kemba Walker as well, like 40 mil a year for the next two or three years, and then you're paying Jalen Brown a huge amount, and all those guys are, you could say, worth it. Uh, Kemba maybe less than the other two because the other two provide amazing defense and they can obviously score at a high level. But it's just going to be very difficult, like just even after this year to add to that team, you know, without going over the hard cap or like dipping deep into the luxury tax. Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, there's really not much I can say other than say there there needs to be some moves made or just a lot of luck to be involved because at this rate, Celtics might just end up becoming a middle tier team. Um, there's not too much of a difference between them and the Heat or them and the Pacers at this point. They're they're definitely not on the same level as the Sixers or the Bucks this year. Yeah, exactly. And and the Nets. Um the Nets are also yeah, of course, very good. Of course, of course. So of course. so yeah, uh, they got to make they got to do something. Hopefully hit a home run with that trade exception whether it be add some depth around their four or five top guys or 
make a splash for another big addition, but something's mm-hmm. got to change. But I, one thing I, I do want to, I do want to leave you with some, some positivity about the Celtics. Their four best players, uh, Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. Do you want to take a guess how many minutes they've played together this season? I'm pretty sure if I, I could be wrong, but I don't think they've, have they even played together? I could be wrong. So they've only played a grand total of 28 minutes together in that mm. in that Lakers game, uh, and then Marcus Smart ended up getting hurt. So gotcha, gotcha. Um, you so when they get those four guys back, they're going to be better than they've been playing. Uh, when Marcus Smart comes back and everybody can stay healthy, they're going to become better because they won't have to rely on these end of the bench guys who don't really contribute much, and a lot of the a lot of the pressure is going to be taken off Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, how how much better it makes them that remains to be seen, but they they will be better than how they've been playing right now. They're will, barely above five hundred. I will say one thing. Um, well, after Margaret Smart got injured and the bench players kind of had to step in, they were not playing great. But after getting a lot more playing time, I will say it's kind of like a blessing in disguise. We've seen some of these guys get a lot more rhythm. Robert Williams tons of rhythm like i said if he plays tonight first time in his career where he plays more than 10 game street big milestone for him Samuel ojale has been shooting at an, a more consistent rate than ever before he's been playing more consistently peyton pritchard has been given a lot of responsibility it's a good thing for a rookie although he is a four-year college player but you know that, that just builds some confidence. So maybe it is a blessing in disguise. And when all four of these guys are healthy together, that these bench players don't have that big of a role, they'll still be able to come off the bench and contribute meaningful minutes. You know what I mean? But yeah, who knows? So as of right now, the Celtics are the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, it's like a whole, it's like a whole mash from like four to like nine. Uh, it's separated by like two and a half games. Uh, four seed is Boston. In the first round, they would play the Knicks. I would take the Celtics over the Knicks in the first round. Um, is that would you agree on that? Easily. And but then after that, they would probably have to play the 76ers. Uh, I, I I don't know if they can beat the 76ers mm-hmm. I, with the way they're playing right now. It's, I it's think very yeah. unlikely. They need to be healthy in order to be Sixers. They did. I think they did beat them in the regular season. Um, I could be wrong, honestly. Yeah, let me double check that. Now keep going. Where we said? No, I was I was just trying to I was just trying to go through both teams and see what they what their playoff matchups would look like. So as of right now, the uh, the Clippers are tied for the third seed, but since they beat the Lakers, they are the they are the third seed. So in the first round, they would play the San Antonio Spurs. Um, the Spurs, I think they I think they beat the Spurs. Pretty handily. Uh, the Spurs don't really have anybody to defend Kawhi or Paul George. Uh, Patty Mills has given the Clippers problems in the past. Uh, I know nobody really thinks of Patty Mills and think of the Spurs, but they have a lot of young guards who are very interesting. Dejounte Murray's been playing really well. Um, I watched the game versus the Brooklyn Nets where he hit that crazy shot at the end, but he's just he's really improved a lot. Uh, so I take the I take the Clippers over them. And then in the next round, they probably play. As of right now, they played the Suns. Um, I do. You think? Do you think they could beat the Suns? I mean, Whoa, I, like you said, smaller guards, CP. 
Yeah, I, don't know, I, I mean, I mean, like quick guards. Like Chris Paul is old. Mm. Like he's not. He's not really like quick. Anymore. Nah, honestly, I'm just messing with you. I still think the Clippers are. Honestly, the Suns have been amazing, though. I will say that. But I think it's going to be an, a great matchup, interesting matchup. But I'm just going to be a little bit biased here and put it on the two stars. You know, Kawhi and Paul George. I really that that those two together when healthy and surrounded by a healthy team of Patrick Beverly and whoever else, I think that they can just keep consistently winning games. I honestly think their biggest threat right now is probably the Lakers. And other than that, I think they should be fine. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I just think the Suns are kind of built to stop them. Uh, they have Mikel Bridges. They have Jay Crowder. They have Cam Johnson. They have these these lengthy wings who can play good defense and hit open shots. And then they got Devin Booker, who, uh, I mean. Forgot no Jay comment. Crowder, too. Yeah, I, I said Jay Crowder. Um, Devin Booker, no comment on Devin Booker. Uh, he's all right, I guess. Uh Chris Paul, Chris Paul is obviously my favorite player. And the last thing I would want is a Chris Paul revenge series versus the Clippers. That that scares me just thinking about it, to be completely honest. Um, and then the Jazz, I think the Jazz are good, but I, I don't I don't know how much I trust Overrated. Jordan. I don't know how much I trust Jordan Clarkson Overrated. come playoff time, to be completely honest. Overrated. Hey, man, Donovan Mitchell's a little overrated. You're right, but he's still very good. Um mm. Yeah, man, I I don't know how much I can how much stock it can put in the Jazz being like one of the the best. Like I don't even know if I if they're the third scariest team in the West come playoff time. You know what I mean? I think the Suns have that edge over them too. Maybe. Honestly, I agree with you on that. That yeah. All right. All right. Do you want to end this episode? Yeah, I think I think we went on a little too long, but had the song yeah. session. Yeah. All right. No, I got you here. Let me hit you up with one question before this we end this episode. All right. Do you think that the Celtics will make a move before the trade deadline? Yes or no? Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go yes because Danny uh, Ainge even came on the show, came on his uh, his like radio show and said that they're not good enough. So I think I think the answer is gonna be yes. All right. I'm gonna say no just because. There's a lot of external factors. I mean, like after that Isaiah Thomas trade, you know, no one really wants to make a trade like that with the Celtics. But other than that, this is just the same crap that happens every single year. So for that, I'm a, honestly, I want them to make a trade, but I don't think it's going to happen at the end of the year, uh, at the end of the day. But we're going to see. But with that, yeah, you want to call it? Yep. I think, I think we're good for today. Yeah, well, we will figure this out in a few weeks when the trade deadline comes. With that being said, y'all, appreciate you guys for listening to a podcast. You guys can check us out at the East Coast Broadcast. We're on YouTube. Uh, we're also on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you guys listen to your podcast at the Push the Tempo Podcast with A-Ray and Kyle. I'm your boy A-Ray. It's my guy Kyle. Peace out, y'all.